Do you know that um, I believe that when God speaks to us, he, you know, because he's like God, he's not just looking at our life, but he's looking at at least seven generations down the line. And I, I, I started thinking about this when I was in India in November. And I started thinking about the man who bugged my dad to go to church. My dad escaped from Cuba in 1969, and he was working, and there, he had an encounter with the Lord on the way, um, on the, uh, uh, leaving Cuba, didn't really understand it. You know, in communism, they tell you there's no God. And by the way, nobody's trying to escape into Cuba for the health care or the free education. <laughs> they have no wall. <laughs> You don't need one if no one wants to get in. You know. <laughs> Just this minor world events point there. But this man, it, it's like, that's why it's like, I always like say, obey the Holy Spirit. And like, like you can, all that stuff, like this guy's going to get mad at me or I keep bugging him. This guy kept bugging my dad to come to church. So my dad came to church on a Saturday to get him off his back because my dad was always a man of his word. And he goes and he's very, very, like he, he thinks that people are crazy because he's at a wedding. It's a wedding on a Saturday. No service that day. It's a wedding. And the wedding had no alcohol. They were Pentecostal. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit of everything, but I'm definitely Pentecostal because I believe I'm Southern Pentecostal. I believe I'm speaking in tongues more than you all, and I'm assembly of God and PH because I don't drink. But anyway, you know, never understood that. Like, anyway, so many people like, anyway, it's a different story. I, I'm going to Europe a lot. They're like, you don't drink? I said, no, no, no. I got other challenges. But um, so he goes, and the guy's like, no, we have service tomorrow. Will you come tomorrow? Mine's like, no, I came once. And he says, I don't know why. I woke up early that day. So I said, I might as well go to church. So who is the man who invited my dad to church? And then he said, when, I, when, he, when the sermon started, he said, he said it was like he was preaching right at me. And he got born again that day. And when he got born again, um, uh, they, they told him, like, okay, like, tomorrow is prayer meeting. So we'll see you at prayer meeting tomorrow. <laughs> Tuesday is, like, and, and, you know, I don't know exactly what they said, but this, this is how it told them. Tuesday is uh, the men's service. Wednesday, we fast and pray. Thursday, I mean, they went to church at least five, six nights a week. Now, we laugh about that. And, okay, it might have been a little, a little legalistic, but he never backslid. Who are the people who care enough about him to tell him, get it right? And they go, hey, yeah, don't wear that again. <laughs> it's just like simple stuff that changed my whole family's trajectory. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. There's um. There's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a really strong prophetic gift on your life. And the Lord says, open your mouth and I'll fill it in this season. Mm-hmm. Healing, 
on your hands, prophetic gift in your mouth. And the Lord says, if you'll step out and walk on the water, you'll see the greatest power flow through you as never before. I want to share with you, um, every year for probably like the last six or seven years, the Lord give, gives me some understanding. To, we call it the new year. I don't really think so much that God operates according to our calendar. He's more a seasonal God. But he does give us like this understanding of this next season. And particularly, I just want to say this too. I've, I felt like I was in Dallas the first week of February. And one of the, the, the speakers is like a general in the body of Christ. She said, we stepped into something in the month of February. And I fully believe that something shifted in the earth in the month of February, and it was a good shift for the people of God, especially in the Western world. But I want to share with you a little bit of that, and then I, uh, I'm just going to uh, jump off there. And I'm going to read it to you because I don't know any other way to do it. Um, this is what I heard the Lord's. I think this was sometime in November. I'm opening a door for my people, <clears throat> excuse me, into unprecedented glory, It's a glory that is yet to come into the earth. It's a glory that is meant to activate my people into operating in the power and the gifts of the Spirit as never before. I want my people to move in power, in the power of God as the prophets of old, and move in my power as a lifestyle. I desire the world system to tremble as my people release the word of the Lord because of the undeniable accuracy and authority that I release in the words of my people's mouth. This is a season, you know, Isaiah says, I have, um, I have put my words in your mouth to plant the heavens. It's really interesting, right? God plants a tree in the garden, and in the end, there's a tree, right? I'm convinced that that tree in the garden had a seed from heaven. This is a season in the earth in which I desire the words of my people to create realities that do not exist, but are my very desire for the earth in this season. This is a season of unprecedented power and glory. My desire is to truly mark the calendar year of 2018 as one of great, great glory and power. 2018 is a year of great, great glory. Many of my people's eyes will be open to see a visible cloud of my glory when my people gather. The cloud of my glory will be a visible sign to my people that the glory of the previous generation will merge with the glory of this new season in which the old and the new will merge as one for his purposes to be established. This door that I'm opening to the people is a door of glory and power. A new grace is being made available to the saints of God to operate in the power of God as never before. Thank you, Lord. And there's a new sound that the Lord is releasing in this region. It's a sound of heaven. It's a sound of the angels joining with the people of God. And the Lord says, over Augusta, even tonight, I'm opening the door of heaven as never before. Oh, this is interesting. I see like these angels just throwing glory in the earth. It's like oil. And the Lord says that the oil, the oil of heaven will flow in the Father's house as never before in 2018. This is beautiful. I see 
Jesus opening this door for you, and it's into another room of his power, presence, and glory. And the Lord says that I've longed to find a place in this region where I could abide, where I could dwell. There have been different moves of God, the Lord says, in this city. And I've come for a day, I've come for weeks, I've come for months, and I even established in the hearts of men to establish a place that I could abide. But agendas and religious systems confuse the work of the Holy Spirit. But I say to you, you have found pleasure in my sight. And so I'm opening a door into my glory. I'm opening a door into my power. And you will be a peculiar people in the earth. You will be a peculiar sign to the city. You are unlocking dry ground, but ground that the people of God have always been intended to take. The Lord says you're in a Joshua 1 moment. The Lord says even what you've experienced thus far in your infancies will not even compare to where I want to take you. And the Lord says, go and go with the word of the Lord. You're like Joshua. You must focus on my word. You must declare my word. You must live by my word, and you will have good success. But the Lord says, the door to the promised land has been opened. And the Lord says, though you are stepping in and trailblazing, you are riding on the wings of saints of old who have prayed, declared, and contended for this region. Some have even passed but they'll get to see, even from heaven, what is taking place in your midst. I see this beautiful wave of like like an ocean wave just being released over Augusta. And the Lord says, I'm going to redefine the landscape of the church in the city in this region as never before. And as a sign to you, I will even bring kingdom-minded people together, even people that don't know each other quite yet. I'm going to anoint them in the city, and they'll honor and love each other, and the power of God will be displayed in multiple communities of churches in this city. I see like, um, it says Baptist, and God's going to come among the Baptist. Mahaya. The Lord says, some will reject it, but as a sign to you, I'm going to begin to move among people who always didn't think I did these things in this period of time. Because that wave will break through the mind and the spirit of religion, and I will lift up a banner and a standard. For the Lord says, I've called you here to establish for the generations. I've called you here to establish and think long term. Don't think small, think big. The Lord says, expand your heart and your mind and believe that I will do the impossible in your midst. All I am asking for you is a yes and a simple heart of surrender. For I'm giving you the power to do everything I've called you to do and I'm opening a door into my face and great joy will come and families' lineages will be defined by the work of the Lord in this house. I see like a highway from the northwest being connected here to Augusta. 
highway from here to New York area, New England, Florida. The Lord says, I'm going to connect you with people around the United States who are like-minded and like-hearted for the purpose of the gospel. Some will come and minister. Some will come and stay for seasons of time. Some will come for seasons of training, one, two, three, four, and five years. Because the Lord says, I'm adding to a grace that was always in the foundation of this church, but you will be an equipping and teaching center. You will be a center, school of ministry, Bible college, school of the prophets, school of the five-fold minister. They'll be trained, sent out, and built up for the purpose of God. And the Lord says, you must go. You must begin to go in this year. You must go even through small doors to the nations, even to South America, even to small places. The Lord says, you must begin to go to the nations of the earth because it will, re- it will release a reproducing grace and give you an understanding of the global church and eyes to see as I see as never before. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. You receive that word? Yeah, because there's an impartation with that word if you'll receive it. There's a fire, baptism of fire, impartation. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I believe as a sign to some of you this week, there's going to be Like, you'll almost, as you worship, or even as you sit in your car, you'll just start getting real hot, and it'll just be a sign, a sign. I just see the fire of God going through some of you right now, and it'll be a sign to you. It'll be a sign to you. That a new baptism of fire has been released to you. Thank you, Lord. So, for about 20 years now, one of the main focuses of my life has been to learn how to walk in fellowship with God. And one of the essential parts of walking in fellowship with God is theophany. What is uh, theophany is this? Let me define it here. It's the visible manifestation or appearance of God to mankind. Adam did not understand a distant God. The disciples did not understand distance between them and God. They understood that everything came out of a place of fellowship. In fact, uh, the reason I'm saying this, I believe one of the reasons the enemy fights and counter and, and, and all this is because it's an essential part of the discipleship process. And it's not necessarily about a certain manifestation or physical feeling, but when you walk with God, there is a physical manifestation. Like people, like can you experience God without you know without a manifestation or or not feeling? Yes, but every time He showed up in Scripture, they experienced something physically.
There is a, a thing of hiddenness. That's why he tells us, I never leave you nor forsake you. Because he doesn't want to teach you to be governed by your feelings. But when you're led by the Spirit, your body actually begins to come into alignment and your body can actually sense things of the Lord. Hebrews says that your he says when your senses are trained, it talks about your physical senses. When your senses are trained, it can discern both good and evil. It's fascinating stuff. Often the you know, especially among evangelicals, it's almost like 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 the body's like a bad thing, and like you're not led by your body, but if you're led by your spirit, your body will come into alignment. David said, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That's old covenant. That's fascinating stuff. And I think that's important because if you think like you're in this battle with your body and the spirit, then like, anyway, it's just me. I just, I just think he crucified your, your flesh and now you're in the spirit. So the, the crucifixion of your flesh is not a singular act. When you're led by the spirit, the flesh is crucified. Like people are like, ah, I'm trying to kill myself. Like he doesn't want to kill you. He's already killed you at salvation. You know, the moment he died. They have like kind of this weird idea. He's trying to drain you of you. Like, no, he did that. That's why your old life is dead. Now everything he's doing is 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 consumed with righteousness. I think that just helps people. Like, you know, and they, you know, often just my Persuasion. I know people think a little different theologically, but I believe theologically. Paul, when he says, I do the thing, I don't think he's talking as a believer. I think he's talking as an unbeliever. Just my thought on it, you know. I think we comfort ourselves by going, you know, like Paul, you know, like he struggled with stuff his whole life. Anyway. So, theophany is an essential part of the discipleship process. And I believe one of the reasons why the enemy fights it so much is because it is so essential to encounter God at a consistent place. When you got born again, let's just start there. When, When you got born again, you started out at the place of glory. So it's a, it's a very important part, I think, of walking with God is to understand that you start at a place of glory. When you become born again, you get everything up front. And I, and I understand, like, we, we come to, what, what happens is that as we grow and as we think, we think we're actually, like, we're, we're, our ability to receive everything he's given up at, up front is more realized. That's what revelation is. It's not like God changes, you know? It's like our understanding of him does. So when, when Adam, I, I always teach this, when Adam is created in, in Adam and Eve, and it's, an, it's important, I believe, to understand um, what God originally intended with man. To understand God's intention, you have to understand Genesis. That's why I just spend a lot of time in there. And uh, it's this, like when Adam was created, he was created in glory. Amen? Like Adam did not need version 2.0. Like, and the other thing about Adam, I love that he says this. Genesis 1.26, he creates man in his image, and uh, he makes him owner of the earth. You know, that's, that's really important, too, for believers to get. You got to be an owner. I rent lots of cars. I don't like renting cars. I just don't. I got to rent a car next week. But that's a different story. I have a different mindset when I rent a car. 
if you just, you have to understand, you'll never take responsibility for the world you live in unless you think like an owner. Now, owner, that kind of scares people. I'm not talking about like, 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 you know, take over, you know, put the gays in jail if they want to. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about serving the world, knowing that God is our source and owning the world that we live in. That you don't go to work to get a paycheck. You go to work to, 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 uh, to be an owner and to bring the mission of God to that place. And it's not about having a Bible study, even though that can be a manifestation. It's about actually a spirit of excellence that causes people to be attracted to you. You know, so you, you preach God through your, your actions and your, your day-to-day ministry. So he puts Adam there, and Adam is not created to worry, fear. Like, Adam didn't look at Eve like, honey, how are we going to pay the light bill? Where are we going to live? Like, he starts at the place of glory. And that's a that's big part of it. And so in Jesus, we're restored to that place. Not only, like, God is like beyond genius level because in Jesus, he actually improves upon perfection. In the garden, he walks with humanity. In, 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 for the first time in human history, God lives in a man. And he gives us the privilege of, being, of putting Christ in us, the hope of glory. We become the temple in which he dwells. So you start in your relationship with God. You always start at that place of glory. For, you know, one of the, 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 um, the thoughts of why Adam and Eve are naked, and I, I think it's interesting but they're, they're naked and they don't have any clothes. You know, it's so funny too. Like they try and make themselves clothes from a fig tree. That's pathetic. <laughs> like the enemy will rob you of dignity when you come into agreement with him. Like that's, you, here you have the owner of the earth trying to give himself a, a, a spacesuit, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not right. But, you, but one of the thoughts is that there was such a glory upon that original creation that they didn't need clothes because they couldn't see each other because there was just a glory radiating from them. So you start in that place of glory, and then we know through Jesus, it's, it's amazing that every place that the first Adam was defeated, that Jesus overcame. You know, like he hasn't, the enemy hasn't changed. He, come, he, comes, he comes at Jesus when he's about to, and he doesn't come at an opportune time. The guy was hungry. 40 days make you hungry. And the place where Adam and Eve missed it, he wins. He overcomes them. He overcomes death. He says this is the good, he, he restores everything that God intended for Adam in that garden. Restores that ability to humanity. And then he restores us to all who would say yes, all who would surrender. He restores them to that very, actually a better place of glory. The same glory given to Jesus was given to you. Let's look at that. Uh, John 17.
John 17, um, starting verse 20, 21. This is Jesus praying, right? right um, he's giving these, he's praying, and he's also giving these final instructions before he dies and is resurrected. Excuse me. He, he prays this. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through your word, that they may all be one, just Father are, are in me, as you, Father, excuse me, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I love this. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So everything that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were to Jesus, he puts us into that place of glory. That's the starting place of this whole thing. That's why the disciples, Adam, they, they, they didn't know anything about a distant God. In fact, it's fascinating to me that the, the, the inner circle who see a revelation and understanding of Jesus that the others didn't have, they're the ones that you read about most in their ministry in, in, in the New Testament. Um, here's how John puts it in his epistle. That which was from the beginning and that which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was, what, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And I, I, I had this, uh, wrote this maybe over a year ago. I just thought there. Is God an idea or a relational experience? Because he created your intellect, but he, was never, he never meant for you to serve him in your intellect. So you start in that place of glory, and he to come close. He has encounter after encounter. I think, finish that thought. I believe that's one of the reasons why the enemy will fight cultures that make room and space for people to encounter God. Because it's in that, it's in that, it's only in that encounter after encounter after encounter, even in your personal time, that certain things will take place in the life of the believer. And I believe as a corporate universal church, we were meant to encounter things together. There's, there's something that brings people together when you're in a room and you encounter God together. You're like, you don't even know the person. You're like, I love you, man. You're so beautiful. Because you see him and you begin to see each other as he wants you to see each other. So you start at the place of glory, you live from a place of glory, and what does he say? He takes you from glory to glory. That's why you can always be joyful, because you're in a place of glory right now, and he's taking you to a place of glory. That's good news. That's why it's a good thing, man. Like, I know there's surrender. I know there's some sacrifice when it comes to father, but everything you ever sacrifice for God, you'll get it way back, walking with him. Like, I heard people say, you know, I don't, you know sometimes hey, walk. I'm like, it pays to walk with God. It's tough walking with the devil. It'll cost you alimony, drugs, counselors, you know, like, it's tough. I mean, 
I was thinking about that the other day. Somebody said, oh, this, you know, like, oh, they're, no, they're not a believer. I said, man, that must be tough, facing that without God. So we start at this place of glory. And here, here's another key thing that I've learned in working with people in my own life, and it's this, that you were wired, especially now that you're born again. How many are in Christ? you were actually wired with a deep desire to know God. But often, if an environment, when, you're, when the gathered people of God come together, that's the response, response, responsibility, responsibility. If the environment is not conducive to that, or we don't learn to steward our appetite to know God, we become deadened to our desire to know God. And one of your responsibilities as a believer is this, is to steward your own personal appetite to know God. And it's really true. What you feed your heart with is what you will crave for. In the natural, I I was thinking about this last year. Um, I love cheesecake. I mean, like, good cheesecake. Eat, like, one piece of cheesecake. You don't have to eat the rest of the day. It's really true. It's like, like. But I, last January, I was in California, and I was with a real good friend. Actually, pray for him. He has open heart surgery this week. My friend, Ken Peters, he leads a network of churches, and they're kind to go there. And I'm not saying that for anyone to get cheesecake, because um, I have to watch my figure. But on the Saturday, they had a leadership thing for the people in their churches and the main church. And so they had a lunch break, and they said, uh, well, the day before, they asked me what type of cheesecake I liked, not thinking that they were going to get every type of these cheesecakes. <laughs> so they bring the cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. Lord Jesus. <laughs> they bring me like three types of cheesecake, and they say, you have to eat it, because we've got, you have to try every." And because I'm an obedient servant of the Lord, <laughs> obedient to the things of God, I had, I was like, okay, no more cheese. Like, it was good because I hadn't eaten it in like a month and a half or so. So I was like, okay, no more cheesecake for like the next three months. I'm good. <laughs> Sunday morning, I'm teaching in the church. You know, I have a lot of things going on in my head, a lot. One of the things is not usually I want another piece of cheesecake. <laughs> and I'm thinking while I'm teaching, it's like, oh my gosh, I wonder if they have any more of that cheesecake. Why? Because what you feed yourself, you become hungry for. And you steward your appetite for God. And no one can teach you that. And I have learned that the door of heaven is open for everyone, and for whatever reason, not conformity. They don't actually say it, but it's kind of how they live, and I don't under, really understand. They're just very content. I like to come to the meeting. I like to do this. You know, I, you know, I do tongues, I tithe, and kind of like it how it is. As long as the devil doesn't touch my kids, I'm going to retire and go to the lake every three weeks. You know, I'm good. And that 
is a sad place to live when God has more. Your great, like the greatest joy in life is everything's on the table. I've heard believers go, oh, I just, I'd never do that. Another country. You know, I know. If, I, if God would want it, you know, he'd have to put it in my heart. Well, he's not going to put it in your heart if you act like that. <laughs> I never say never. But the greatest place of adventure is that everything's on the table. Where I live, my money, everything's yours, God. Everything's on, whatever you want. And it's such a wonderful adventure to walk in that place. That everything's on the table. I'll do anything you want. I'll say whatever you want. And then the other, th- the other side of that tension is this. He's, he told me years ago, he said, Abner, if I got your heart, I'll give you the world. Like the things you think like are awesome, he'll do it way beyond and he'll do it a whole lot better and he'll pay the bill. Here's how Paul put it. Romans 8, starting in verse 28. For all things, that's a great verse, all things, not some things, work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that, the, that he might be the firstborn among m- many brethren. What you see in Jesus is the second Adam. The beautiful thing about he's the second and the last, because after Jesus, there didn't need to be another Adam. And everything that was given to Jesus is now available to you. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So a legal prayer is what Jesus prayed. Father, glorify me that I might glorify you. Start at that place of glory and you get to steward this appetite of hunger for the Lord. And he has these doors that he opens for us into his presence, into who he is. You know, sometimes I just take whole sessions and I I, I just do it because the Lord told me I don't really like it. Like, that's another thing. Like, like, he didn't die to make you comfortable. I don't like necessarily talking about a lot about myself because I'm not a spiritual nudist. (laughs) <laughs> you know like anyway but, but a number of years ago I said I just want you to take this time and just tell people about some experiences you had but my life has been defined it's not just encounter it's encounter and process and how you steward it so you can have an encounter but I've learned that if you don't grab all the nutrients from the encounter all you've had is an experience because he says, we go, you know, uh, as we behold him, but there's a yes in what we behold. There has to be that yes, or else you've just encountered the Lord. And um, it's encounter after encounter after encounter. And what I've learned is that when he speaks, man shall not live by bread alone. In that word, his written word, prophetic word, the voice of God we hear, 
It gives us authority, but it's often only the encounter that empowers us to live out that word. And you'll find this in Scripture. You want to follow along with me? Look at Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to a mountain which Jesus had appointed for him. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It's amazing, right? I don't, I don't say it in criticism, but they've been working, walking with the Lord at least three to three and a half years, and they're still doubting. And, I, and I've been there, and, I, and I, I'm trying to erase that because it, it just means that my belief system hasn't conformed to how he wants me to think quite yet. Verse 18, and, all, and he's saying this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So often, yeah, obviously it's a great commission, all authority. He tells us not just to get, he doesn't say get people born again. He said disciple the nations. And um, I always, but sometimes I think we lose context there because he's talking to 11 guys who've all failed the final exam of the Jesus Christ School of Ministry, except maybe one, John. They're worshiping, they're like, eh, look what the Lord is. I think it's Jesus. And I always say, if there was ever a prophetic word out of place, it was Jesus' word to these guys. It's 11 guys, most of them been in hiding until Jesus shows up. And it makes no sense. But Jesus says it. Notice, too, it's on the mountain. That's what a prophetic word gives you. It gives you God's eye, view, perspective of the situation. And he speaks this word. But what's amazing is, as soon as he speaks this word, that word is prophetic in nature, still stands for us today. But since they received that word, the earth has never been the same. And these guys didn't have it all together in that moment. But they don't begin to, so that word gives them the authority to do what God called them to do. But it wasn't the word sufficient. So you see the synergy between word and spirit here. What, what happens? Let's, let's follow along. Acts. The narrative follows like this, Acts chapter 1. So when we hear God speak, it becomes an invitation to come closer. Acts 1, verse 4. This is uh, the physician Luke. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. What happened? They're smart. Man, is Jesus out of his mind? All authority? What do they do? They stay in that posture of relationship. And what does he do? He gives them instruction on how they can begin to fulfill that prophetic word. Often, I think sometimes, and this, this is the good news about this, and this is another part of the word the Lord told me. The Lord is releasing wisdom in the earth to do things we've never done before. Like, I'm not, I'm not content with just knowing God. I need the wisdom of God on how to apply that. What's the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is just, it, the Lord helped, really helped me years ago with this. And because I'm a person of a million questions. Why is he wearing a blue shirt? Why is he sitting in the second row? Why was Roger walking back and forth? No, I'm just joking. But, 
I, I'm just questions, Lord, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Why? Because I'm a man under authority. Like people think I'm in charge. I'm not in charge of anything. I just work here. <laughs> oh, really? You look really smart when you follow the Holy Spirit. But he told us it's to our advantage that he goes away. You got an advantage in the world. You should stop saying you don't know how to do stuff. But he, he really helped me because I'm, I'm, I constantly have questions. And he said to me, he said, if you will just position yourself in a place of friendship with me, I'll let you know everything you need to know when you need to know. And that'll stretch you sometimes, though, because so, I mean, I remember one time I was driving to a church in Philadelphia, inner city Philadelphia, and I'm just enjoying the Lord. And I finally got to the church and I realized I have to minister. It's like, I have no idea what we're going to do today, but you told me it's on you. <laughs> doesn't mean I don't study. I study for hours. I have thousands of pages of research and all that stuff. doesn't mean I take that away, but he helped me. Uh, over, uh, over 10 years ago, I was in uh, Reading at Bethel Church. I think the first time I went. Yeah, it was the first time. And I was in the prayer room and I had this tremendous like vision which I it was one of those like either like I belong in an insane asylum or this is the Lord I go with I'm normal (laughs) and it was just so outrageous of something I felt like the Lord told me he's gonna you know gonna be part of my life and I have it down like in a kind of vision form and I got nervous, not nervous, I got anxious. And so one day, I was having lunch, pastor, very close, and we often will sit for hours. I was like, let me ask the man of God what he thinks I need to do about my vision from God. <laughs> so we're sitting in the parking lot of the church, we pulled in from lunch, and uh, I show him it, and he, I, you know, I thought he'd be impressed with my vision. He just kind of puts it back, he goes, Abner, you just need to keep doing what you're doing. And everything you need to know, when you need to know it, God will tell you. <laughs> Sometimes we overcomplicate this thing. Really do. I've learned, and I just say it for myself as well, most of the time, it's not that people can't hear the voice of God, they just don't want to do what he told them to do. They want like 20 confirmations for what they know the Lord told them to do. <laughs> you know, they're being, it's not working on their job, seemingly, and God's told them 20 times, stay. You know, eventually, you got to be really careful with that stuff, because you'll find somebody who will give you a prophetic word that tells you you need to go. So he tells them, and being assembled, he commanded them what? Not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait from the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me from now. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, we kind of know the rest of the story to that, but what's really interesting about that is the prophetic word he gives them there. There's a prophetic word there. The prophetic word he gives them there, no one else in the earth had ever experienced it. I think that's extremely important to the season we live in. Not that we have to, it doesn't make 
things of the past or things that we've learned in the past, it's all relevant. doesn't make that irrelevant. Never. But I believe where the Lord wants to take the people of God because he commanded us to disciple nations. And we're going to need everyone on board for that thing. We're going to start hearing and having encounters that the early church is going to be really jealous about. So he gives them this word like, it's like, how do you know you're fulfilling this prophecy? Well, they got it. They figured it out. Acts 2, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there were all one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each other, and they were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So what happens? The Word gave them the authority to do that, The encounter gives them the ability to start living that as a lifestyle. But what I've learned is when God reveals himself to you, he reveals reveals something to you that is eternal. And I think that's important because I've learned that we can visit some places but forget to make it part of our lifestyle. I am... you know, it comes to just any area. And, and, and I, I don't want to visit miraculous obedience. I want to do it on a regular basis so I can break into something in certain things, you know? So they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And here, and this is why this goes along with the prophetic word, because that encounter actually causes you to have the ability to do it, but it also causes something to be added to your life. Uh, and it's not just... The miraculous, not just that. There's a physical manifestation. They speak in other tongues. And then verse 14, just as a side, I just felt this in the air. Don't ever try and become dignified to, 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 to make something understandable. I'm not saying get, like, be weird. I'm not intentionally trying to do things that are odd. But I also won't tone down the Holy Spirit when God is moving. There's two things there, you know? Verse 14, and Peter standing up with the, this is fascinating to me because the last time we hear from Peter, he's denying Jesus and he's afraid. Now, verse 14, but the standing up with the 11, he raised his voice and that word said to them, that's the same, um, that's the same Greek word when it says they spoke in other tongues. So it's not just natural language, you know, not just like, hey, let me help you. It was powerful apostolic preaching, which I believe is needed in the earth today. I'm just going to say, there's way too many leaders trying to be like each other. Like they all sit up on a stage every week. I mean, if that's you, that's cool. I have no problem with that. That's your personality. But it's like all these guys, like they do that, like, and it's like, yeah, we just, yeah, like having a little chat. And some need like be shouting every week or something. You know, like you know, it's not that we can't learn from each other, but be yourself, please. I don't know. I just say it. Just you know, if that's you, that's cool. I, I know people. That's their personality. But like some of these guys look so unnatural. <laughs> they don't even drink coffee, but they drink coffee. You know, like <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
So he said to them, we need that powerful. So this is the result. How do they start doing this thing? Apostolic authority says what? They were cut to the heart. I've learned too, when you have these encounters with the Lord, you don't even know it, but you become, you begin, things just happen just because you're around. I remember one, after one encounter I had in Brazil where literally like almost a day later I could still feel the fire of God going through my body. Next time I came, I was in the U.S. I was speaking to a young Bible college. I did the same thing I usually did. I just come on, just stand it. Boom! Like, boom, like God's power. I said, man, okay, something's changed. Why? Another encounter. Took me to another place of glory. Filled with the Holy Spirit and we know that it's not the next day. I think most people think Book of Acts is probably a 30 to 55-year period. So this is maybe not the next day, but here, here's an example. Now, Peter and John went up together to the Acts 3 at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain layman from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms for those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing their eyes with John and Peter, they said, look at us. That's another side discipleship note. Walk with people who will encourage you. You know, I love all people, but not everyone gets in my heart. So he gave them this attention, expecting to receive nothing, something from them. And Peter said, this is beautiful. What is this? Jesus already told him, all authority has been given to me. Go do this. He has authority to do that. What does the filling of the Holy Spirit do? It gives this man boldness. I've seen people, they know they're called to do something. They're, they know they're supposed to do that. And it, for months, they're struggling. It's not that they don't want to do it, but it's like, I don't just... I, 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 and then something happens, a breakthrough, and it might not even necessarily be dramatic, maybe just something in worship. Maybe somebody lays hands on him, and suddenly, I can do it, praise God. What happened? The Holy Spirit came. They had the word of authority, but the power of the Spirit, that's why it says, allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it actually said. Don't be drunk with wine. Like Greek is, it doesn't, it's just, it, the little, it's allow yourself Go, hey, I give you permission. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted up him. And immediately his feet and his ankles received strength. So leaping up and stood and wake and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the gate of the temple. They were all filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. Now, we know that they begin to get into a little trouble because they do what God told them to do. Opposition doesn't always mean that God has stopped that. And often what happens too, especially in places that have put their eyes to receive everything that God has for them, once they have a little opposition, the enemy tries to define them by that opposition. You know? Or once sometimes people don't understand it, they go, well, maybe we can, you know, like, maybe we'll, like, dismiss the service, and if people want to get touched, we'll bring them to a back room. All this stuff. All this human reasoning. It's human reasoning. Most of my experience is this. It is not unbelievers who get 
uncomfortable when God moves. I'm not saying they don't. I've had my unsafe friends come to long. They go, I've never been in church this long. But they've never said anything critical to me. It's always very interesting, concerned brethren. <laughs> and I'm not saying everything's, I'm not saying we receive everything. You've got to judge things, but, you know. So, but they don't back down because God didn't change his mind. That's one thing I've learned walking with the Lord. I'm like, well, it's kind of tough. He goes, did I tell you to do something? I said, no, you didn't. He said, keep going then. What do they do though? They go back to the place of the secret place of fellowship and intimacy with God. Here's what happens. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again. They're praying. And they're praying the word of God. Let's just pick up in verse 31. And when they prayed, the this is people who were there at the day of Pentecost, those who were added, and now they're praying again. I believe that God does not want prayer ministries in our communities. He wants a culture of prayer where we, we stop immediately. Okay, okay, God, what do you want? What would you have me to do? I get a little new King James when I talk to the Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. How do you do ministry? How do you know what you're going to do? God, what, what do you want to do? And how do you want to do it? Why? Because faith gives us the eyes of God. I've learned that. I love what it said about Jesus. One of seven fold functions of the Spirit of God. And he will not judge by the sight of his eyes. But he will judge. How does he judge? He judges through the eyes of faith and by what the Father has revealed. So many people judge through the lens of the world system. And when they prayed, where they were assembled, the place was shaken, what? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God with boldness. We know in Acts 3, Peter already has a pretty good healing ministry. I believe he's, he's in that prayer meeting. He doesn't back down. I love what they say. Like They got excited. They're like, man, we're getting persecuted. Amen. <laughs> I tell, tell this cool story about my mom. My mom is a rare gift of intercessor, evangelist, everything. She just, I think she, and I'm not joking. People think I'm joking. I think she fasts more than she eats. You just finish a 40-day fast to start the year. Maybe that's why my year has started so good. I think I'm joking. I wouldn't be here without my mom's prayers. That woman didn't pray wimpy prayers either. My son's yours. Make a until <laughs> he serves you. It's really hard to serve the devil when you mom prays. I'm serious. And she hadn't quite gotten the love thing when I was growing up. She said, do you want to be doing that when Jesus returns? <laughs> you go and try and do something wrong, you hear your mom's voice. You want to be doing that when Jesus is 
But she started, she starts ministries inadvertently. What I mean by that is she just serves people. Years ago, she went to the nursing home to visit someone. And because she's friendly, she would say hi to everyone on the way in. Eventually, they all wanted her to come visit. Lots of people died along the way. But she kept going because she kept making friends and things. No, I'm serious. She would minister. She would lead people to the Lord on their deathbed. Jewish people. She's got a real heart for the Jewish people. And there was a supervisor or something in one of these nursing homes who didn't like her. But she couldn't do anything about it because if the visitor, if the patient wants you to come, you can't stop them even though they're talking about Jesus. So finally, the last last patient died off. And she got a letter from the nursing home that says, please don't come back here. You're proselytizing our people. I said, rejoice. They've actually accused you of preaching the gospel somewhere. She found another nursing home to go to. <laughs> she did. I said, where are you at? I said, I'm going to the nursing home. He went out. Yeah, we've got somewhere else. <laughs> you can't stop the gospel from going places. Yeah. Next time you read about Peter is this. Acts 5, verse 12. Again, it's not the next day, but it's the next part of the narrative that you read about Peter's history. Apostles. Many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the, de- the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly, and believers were in and women. It's amazing, right? That they did what God told them to do, and I think it's something like 800% growth. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches so at least the shadow of Peter passing might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And I love this. And they were all healed. They were all healed. Man, he had a pretty good healing ministry in my opinion in Acts 3, but he's filled, again, another encounter. So what are we saying here tonight? There's a visible demonstration that God gives us as we encounter the Lord. Now there's a stewardship, I believe in impartation and process, process and impartation, but encounter is an essential part of it. Church reformers, you constantly read about encounters that they had. D.L. Moody is probably one of the most extraordinary examples. Maybe not the best theology, but he was a lawyer. And literally, one day, he encounters the Lord in his office. Next day, Pretty much like the next day, he's preaching. And the anointing on his life is actually changing cities. John Wesley, famous quote. You know, He's in ministry, not even born again. That's a little problem. But... But he gets born again, and he says, my heart was strangely warm. Martin Luther says, I became dangerous when I read the scriptures. He's a priest not reading the Bible. It's a little bit of a problem. 
Like, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying we, 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 in a lot of ways, to say it, it's easy to look at some of the dysfunction of the church, right? But it's still God's best. And we still have gone a whole lot, you know, it's bad when the priests don't even read the Bible and they think it's offensive to let the people read the Bible. Right. The Pope's having an affair. He's like, I'm not changing, you know? That's bad stuff. So we are in this accelerated thing, you know? But Luther reads, and it says, he's, he said, it's like the gates of heaven open to me. And you can read that these men who did significant trailblazing for the gospel had these significant encounters. Most of them, not, not just one. You know, modern day, you know, Randy Clark crying out to God for God to touch him. Goes to Ramah, doesn't like those word of faith people. Rodney lays hands on him. All sorts of things start happening. Obviously, he had a, many years in ministry before that, but it was the impartation that sparked something that he's never been the same. So we are a people who must know that encounter after 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 encounter encounter is part of the way of walking with God. And there's, honestly, there's just no dignity in just trying to hold on to where you're at. That's robbing you of your God-given destiny. And I just am convinced that the Holy Spirit is smart enough, good enough, because he said he would guide us into all truth to keep us from anything that's not from him. That's what Jesus said. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Verse 9. For what man is there among you, if his son asks for a bread, will he give him stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? So I just know we just, we just have to ask. And he's a good father. And the word is true. You draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. And I've just, I, I still have yet to meet anyone who, and also the good news is too, everything that God asks us to do 
He's given us the power. You're like, well, I'm just not like that. Well, you change families. <laughs> We're just not really this type of people. It's okay. It's okay. You are now. <laughs> Everything he's asked us to do, he's given us the power to do. And that, that's a key part of, of learning to live in glory, I've learned, is everything, he is the fountain of source. But because of love, he gives you the power of choice. And the, I've, the measurement is never on God's end. Like people are like, oh, I want more. Like, well, he, like, he's not going, eh. You can ha- you, I've learned if, you, if you'll live this as a lifestyle, he'll give you more. And, and the beautiful thing about God is you're, you're, it's not that you're not content. You're going, man, this was awesome. But there's more. Satisfied but never content is the way of encounter. It's always more. It's always more in the beauty of God. You were meant to live in constant fascination with God. Fascination with God, when you see God, fascination is God's gift to you to keep childlike faith. Because like when you, like when you see how big he is, you're going, oh God, yes. you're really big. And there's no adults in the kingdom. And so you can keep that childlike posture. You tell a, you know, you tell a child who hasn't been wounded or abused, like, yeah, I can do anything. Why? Because there are no adults in the kingdom of God. There's just none. Receive this word tonight. If you receive this word, just lift your hands. I just see seeds of the word of God just falling on hungry hearts. So Father, tonight, we receive your word. And we just say, let it be according to your word. Let it be a year of power and glory. Let it be a year into the beauty of God as never before. Father, make us theologians of the beauty of God. Father, let us never allow in our conscious belief system to believe that we have arrived in any way, God. Let us always be needy, God, because you said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So Lord, give us the grace to live that out. And thank you for the open door even tonight. Mama Shika Bahaya. Thank you for the open door this year. Thank you for the open heaven. Glorify your name. And seal your word in our hearts tonight. See, um, 
somebody's lower back is being healed. I believe somebody's right shoulder, the Lord is healing your right shoulder. Right eye, be healed in Jesus' name. Arthritis, be healed in Jesus' name. There's like um, just this healing power resting over this right section to my right. So I just release healing in Jesus' name. Something with the jaw, something like that. Jaw align in Jesus' name. Jaw align in Jesus' name. 